This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk. Here on the Sports Talk Media Network, we continue our coverage of Bowl Week in South Carolina. Phil Kornblut here in Fort Lauderdale. Matt Smith will be joining us momentarily from Jacksonville with the Gamecocks. Last night, Coastal Carolina was a loser in Birmingham in the bowl game there, falling to East Carolina. We'll hear from Chris Bergen on that. He'll join us a little bit after 7 o'clock to give us his thoughts on that game and the end of the season. For the shot to clears, everything has sort of been turned upside down there in Conway with the uh, coaching change and players moving on and <clears throat> assistant coaches moving on as well. So we'll get Chris's thoughts on that coming up. Also a little bit later on tonight, Will and the Thrill. Uh, Will Merritt Carl Hill will join us, give us their thoughts on their team's respective uh, bowl games coming up. That'll be at uh, 7.30. Uh, today, more press opportunities with the two teams here in Fort Lauderdale, it was defensive players and defensive coordinator Wes Good- Goodwin for Clemson and several of the defensive players. And for South Carolina, today it was the offensive players meeting with the media after their practice. And one of the main questions coming out of both camps, of course, who is leaving and who is staying? And from a Clemson standpoint, now you just don't know. You don't know if they're toying with you if they're pulling your chain, if they're being honest with you. But just going on what the players had to say today, Tyler Davis made it sound like he was leaving, that he'd gotten a really good report back from the NFL, and his words were he's leaning that way. K.J. Henry led you to believe he's coming back. And Brian Bressie said he hadn't thought about it at all and hasn't made any kind of decision one way or another. So, But who knows? You know, who knows if they're toying with the media and if they are are being forthcoming and honest about what they're uh, actually thinking at this time. Um, And Smitty will share with us some of what the uh, Gamecock players uh, had to say as well along those same lines. Now, they did not make Spencer Rattler, the Gamecock quarterback, available today with the uh, media session. There is one more press conference at both places <clears throat> tomorrow, tomorrow, <clears throat> excuse me, tomorrow here in Fort Lauderdale, we get the two head coaches and no players. And in Jacksonville, tomorrow they get the head coaches uh, and some players. And I'm thinking maybe Spencer Rattler will be among the players at uh, USC to be um, part of that press conference. I don't think, I don't think we've heard from Spencer Rattler since the uh, since the Clemson game. Did he do anything back in Columbia during the press sessions there? I don't think so. So if there is a chance to have some players available, that would be the optimum time to do that. Uh, Pat Daniel is back at our Dave & Buster's studio in Columbia. Remember, Dave & Buster's eat, drink, play, and catch the big games all season long at Dave & Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Good night tonight to get out and watch some college 
bowl action today. Duke beat UCF 30-13, to so what a terrific first year for Duke with their new coaching staff there. Mike Elko and company having a terrific year. They win 30-13 over UCF in the Military Bowl <clears throat> to finish at 9-4. and four. UCF lost three of its final four games on the season to finish at 9-5. and five. And um, you know who was a, a key a key contributor to um, to the uh, to the Duke uh, offense was uh, Jalen Calhoun from let's see Jalen is from I want to say Wren had seven catches today I'm sorry six catches for 62 yards he's been a big uh, important player for them all season long so a nice win for Duke uh, they beat UCF and. Uh, You've got Kansas and Arkansas uh, playing. I think they're just getting underway, got underway a little while ago. Um, they're in the first quarter, and Arkansas is in front of Kansas 17-7, to two teams that got off to hot starts. Remember, everybody was drooling over what Kansas did early in the year. In fact, when Kansas and Duke met, the two were undefeated. Everybody was thinking about, hey, this would be a great uh, basketball matchup, but it was football. But Kansas slipped down the stretch. Arkansas did the same thing. Right now, Arkey has the edge. Coming up <clears throat> later on is Oregon and North Carolina, and then Texas Tech and Ole Miss rounding out the college football bowl action tonight. Smitty is now with us from Jacksonville. He was there for the Gamecocks press session after practice today. He'll be there, of course, through a game day on Friday afternoon and be with us some sports talk the rest of the way. Chris Bergen will hook back up with us a little bit maybe tomorrow night. He's got a basketball game tomorrow night with Coastal Carolina. Like I said, he'll drop in for a few minutes tonight to tell us about that game last night. Smitty, great to have you back with us. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, a nice, smooth trip to Jacksonville, and fun with the Gamecocks today. I did, and I hope you had uh, a happy holiday too, Corn. although I know you worked through most of it. Uh, but that's just, you know, what we've got this time of year. And, and I was just listening to you. Chris, is Chris uh, – is he just going to quit now? He's just going to quit because that performance was so bad. He's just done. <laughs> he's not a quitter. <laughs> he, won't, he won't opt out. He won't he's opt out. He's a fighter. Okay. He is a fighter. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Hey, did you pick up anything from the Gamecocks today, the players that you talked with, listened to? I'm sure one of the questions with some of the guys like Juice Wells was about, hey, what's your plans for next year? Anybody share any light on that? You know, that hasn't happened this week. I mean, the, the questions have been there for the players, just as, uh, you know, it's just it's been there uh, throughout the week. But the players have continually said that they're going to just take a beat and wait until after the bowl game. And now Juice Wells, and we might hear this tonight because we have the uh, the audio available to us, he made an interesting point. He said, I want to see how recruiting goes. And then I've listened to it a couple of times, Phil, and I might have you listen to it off the air. I think he also said, I want to see what my quarterback does. I've listened to it over and over, and it's, it's, it's like the Zapruder film, right? You, you, have to, if you, you hear what you want to hear, but I think Juice Wells actually said he wants to see what happens with his quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and of course, that's because they have such a great rapport. The chemistry has been tremendous between those two down the stretch, and, uh, and he expects that to continue. Now, you ask what I picked up, and I'll tell you something, and I put it in the story up at sportstalksc.com. Phil, I'll tell you, this is a confident bunch. 
this South Carolina offense, so I, I'm looking at it through the lens of look at all the production that is not available to them, that is mm-hmm. just gone, including the coordinator. But, I mean, you start talking about taking – you're a defense – let's say you're planning for the defense. You're a defensive coach, corn for Notre Dame. Uh, we're worried about Jaheim Bell. Well, he's not there. You know what? Jalen Brooks is probably an underrated commodity. He's not there. Josh Van can be a playmaker. Stats aren't big, but he can make plays. He's not there. Austin Stogner, he came with Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. He's a real security blanket. Watch out for him on third down. He's not there. So all of these things are stacking up against South Carolina. But I can tell you the, the players that were, were speaking with the media today were beaming and it was almost as if they were reading from the same script. They said, we are so the, – the offense is the same. Nothing is changing. And I pressed them on that. I asked uh, three different players, what is going to be different? Because we know there won't be two tight end sets because there's only one tight end on the depth chart. You know, that's something that, that Satterfield utilized. Uh, you know, he'd play Stogner and Jaheim Bell together and then motion one of them and impress the defense. And – to a man, the Gamecocks said, we're not worried about that. Uh, the guys that are here can make plays. And and I'll tell you, Christian Beal Smith and Juju McDowell both kind of – I think they're being honest. They they kind of looked at, at me and stared and said, I haven't noticed a difference, you know, from the backfield perspective. It, it, it looks the same to us. And Christian Beal Smith, this is a really important note. Find, you know, you never find out about an injury until it's healed. That's when players start to get honest. And Christian Beal Smith, I, I, I can tell you, it was me and John Whittle from the Vicksburg standing there, the only two standing there with him at the moment. And Christian Beal Smith said, I was not 100% all season. I got injured in the fall scrimmage. I have not felt myself until just this week. Mm-hmm. So they can cut him loose. Well, you know, I hear what you're saying, and we'll see what kind of product the Gamecocks put on the field on Friday, but – <laughs> I mean, look, look at what they've lost in terms of production. They've lost Marshawn Lloyd, so you're talking about yeah. that's 573 yards and nine touchdowns. Then uh, Jaheim Bell, 261 yards and three touchdowns. Add it up as we go. That's about that's 900 yards and 12 touchdowns there that they've lost in the running game. And then in the uh, receiving game, you know, it's even more – dramatic when you look at some of the guys who won't be there to catch passes uh, and their production during the regular season. There's Jalen Brooks. He had 33 catches, 504 yards, and one touchdown. And you also talk about Bell, who had um, 25 catches for 231 yards and two touchdowns. And then you throw in uh, Josh Van, who won't be there either, and – I mean, you add it up, it's a lot of production. Uh, Van with 18 catches, 296 yards, and three touchdowns. Even uh, Travion Kenyon had three catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. Um, it's a ton of production that they're losing yep. from their uh, from their key offensive players. And, and the question is, when you look at this game against Notre Dame guys, does South Carolina have that kind of depth where they can make it up in one game and, you know, Notre Dame is going to really clamp down on Wells. you got to believe that their their defensive approach um, is going to be – Wells is not going to beat us. He's not going to beat us deep. We're going to keep somebody uh, around him, on top of him. They're going to have to find somebody else to go to. Who will be that somebody else who can make the play? Will it be Leggett? Will it be um, 
Who knows? Will Luke Doty, will Luke Doty show up at wide receiver, let's say? Who knows what they've been doing in practice? Um, can you expect Nate Atkins to be a hero again? Where are they going to get that production? I, I, I don't know, Corn, and I will, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm telling you what the players exuded today, mm-hmm. uh, that they were a confident group. I'm not nearly as confident. As a matter of fact, in our pick slate, I took Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame is going to control the game with the, with the running game because on the other side of the ball, South Carolina's got about six freshmen on the two deep uh, in, in the secondary. So I think they've got all sorts of issues on that side of the ball uh, as well. But I, I will just tell you that this group seems to think that, that it's going to be business as usual offensively. I'm not saying that I'm convinced or you should be convinced, but they seem to be. And you ask who that X factor could be, and I think it's a great question. We were we did not have availability to DeCarry and Joiner, and I think a lot and and, there, and that might be that might be by design. It may be that uh, that uh, DeCarry and Joiner was not available because he didn't want to get all the questions that would come at him, like what kind of role are you going to have? Because with so much production lost at the wide receiver position, how can he afford to take any snaps? Um, you know, as a quarterback or as a wildcat or anything in practice, don't you think he needed these last two weeks to shore up his route running and really nail down his chemistry with Spencer Rattler? Because I think he's a player that's going to be called on. If Juice Wells gets winded and has to come out, I mean, who goes out there? What if what if Adkins can't play in a snap? Well, now you've got to go to a four-receiver set right away. Uh, players like Leggett and Joyner are going to have to be called upon quickly. So I think that's got to be his role. All right. Well, maybe they're going to have him uh, available tomorrow at the press conference. Have they said who's going to be available tomorrow at the press conference? Uh, Aren't they taking some players along with the coaches? Do you know this or no? You know, I I don't know anything for certain, and I'm not I'm not convinced that the sports information director Steve Fink is either. Um, it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind this week. You know, they've had to switch practice fields, and today you will notice uh, absent from uh, any of the audio. Uh, were any offensive linemen? They just didn't didn't show up because they were heading to Top Golf and they weren't going to miss that trip. So we didn't get access to Jalen Nichols or Tyshawn Wanamaker, who's now thrust into a starting position um, as they move that you know they shuffle that offensive line around. So there are players we haven't had access to, and I I, I don't know if that's by design or not, but I I do believe we're going to have access to some players tomorrow. I don't know that I've it's been revealed which ones it will be, but I, I think some of what we're talking about, the X factors in practice, although I, I stared right into Juju McDowell and uh, Christian Beal Smith's and, and, and Juice Wells' eyes, and they were not giving me anything in terms of how this offense will change or any wild cards that may be presented. Okay. Well, we'll see what uh, what comes out of it tomorrow if uh, you know some of the players are at the uh, press conference and they do talk about – uh, so what their plans are, or what they're going to be doing uh, on the field on Friday. The Gamecocks are a big mystery offensively. We don't even know who's calling the plays. You know, maybe Gamecock Larry was right. <laughs> maybe it's uh, been Spencer Rattler calling the plays himself. He's going to call the plays in the bowl game, but we don't even know who's going to be calling the plays. And that's going to keep – I mean, I think South Carolina sees that as an advantage for them. Uh South Carolina sees it as an advantage for them by keeping Notre Dame's defensive people in the dark as long as possible so they don't have any idea what kind of tendencies, what kind of history the play caller has and all that. So a check mark for um, 
the Gamecocks there as far as having a little bit of a of a of an edge if they if you if you want to say on Notre Dame from a secrecy standpoint. Okay, uh, phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. We can take your phone calls when we come back from the break. So be for, uh, be sure to give us a call triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Since two thousand and two. More than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is indeed a win for education. Love to hear from you, your thoughts on what we've been talking about. We'll be back after this break right here on Sports Talk. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR Major. It's always a good time for folks to remember to get those licenses renewed. Doesn't matter what time of year, it's always a season in, whether it's fishing or hunting. Make sure to check your licenses, make sure they're up to date. If you need a hunting or fishing license, you may go to www.dnr.sc.gov to purchase your license online or to any local license vendor in your local area. And don't forget to join us for SC Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We are Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut here in beautiful, beautiful Fort Lauderdale. Yes, it was 80-plus today here in Fort Lauderdale. Pat, what's the weather back in uh, South Carolina? You guys, what, 75, 78, 80 today? What did you enjoy out there today? Uh, today the high was, I think, 57, 58, oh. give or take. Right now it's in the it's in the 40s, but it's nice. Not bad. Nice December day. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was in fact I had to turn down the air conditioning here in the room. It was a little toasty. So we got it cooled off here. It's kind of like a little <laughs> freezer. And um yeah, it's, it was warm out there today. The Clemson team went out to the beach today. Oh, by the way, I thought, you know, I found the schedule, uh, Smitty. So there is going to be player availability tomorrow Ooh, with okay. the respective head coaches. So Notre Dame goes at 9:30. Uh, Marcus uh, Freeman along with uh, J.T. Bertrand and Jarrett Patterson. This was in a 
an email sent out about a week or so ago that I had in my trash. So I knew I had something. Uh, 11 o'clock is a Shane Beamer, Eric Douglas, Javon Gwynn, Brad Johnson, and Spencer Rattler. That's why, and it says here, these players will not be available earlier in the week. So that's why they haven't been involved right. with any of the earlier press conferences. So we will have a chance to hear from Spencer Rattler, uh, or as they put here on this email, Spender Rattler. Now, is that um, <laughs> Spender Rattler, is that a – what do you call that? Yeah. Is that a uh, – it's a yeah, faux pas, that, but is it a, a sign of what his thinking is? Spend, spender Rattler at 11 Yeah, that's his, nom, that's his nom de plume. It's actually an agreement <laughs> he has with one of his NIL companies. He had to yeah. change his name to Spender Rattler uh, in, order to, in order to cash in. Yeah. That yeah. sounds an awful lot like the USC men's basketball, the G.G. Jackson in- introductory press conference when they called him Gregory Jackson on his little name placard. It's – Quite a theme going over there. Yeah. Well, that wasn't from USC. That was uh, put out by the bowl people. That oh, they just had go. a They just had a typo. Just bad a typo. bad luck for USC players. <laughs> yeah. Spender. I just thought that was funny, though. Spender, Spender Rattler. Rattler on the year. Oh, by the way, let me mention this, too. Uh, talking about South Carolina and personnel, uh, they are getting another transfer. Uh, not a surprise. Been reported on and talked about uh, Joshua Simon, who prepped at Crestwood. He's been at Western Kentucky. He uh, is transferring to South Carolina. He confirmed that with uh, Gamecock Central uh, this afternoon or this morning, and uh, so he'll be added to the USC incoming group. I don't know if you call them a recruiting class anymore. I just put them all in the same incoming group, which would give the Gamecocks now one, two, three, four, five, six tight ends. Six tight ends. Connor Cox, Cameron Sandlin, Nick Elksness, Trey Knox, Reed McKeska, and Joshua Simon. And three of those are transfers, and three of those are, are high school guys. So you get a year out of those uh, three transfers, I guess you'll get a year. Simon's a graduate transfer. I think the others are as well. So that's 28 newcomers now for South Carolina in their class, and they're looking to add now potentially – in February, on the February signing date, of course, they're still heavily involved with Nick Harbor, who can also be a tight end, a tight end defensive end. And there's another tight end, of course, they've been recruiting as well, Easter, who's committed to um, Arkansas right now, but it's 50-50 between the Gamecocks and Arkansas for him. So the Gamecocks could be pushing about 30 total newcomers uh, in their class as things are as things are playing out for them. So... Uh, another piece of weaponry. But I was going to say, Spender Rattler, uh, 233 completions out of 350 attempts. So he's up to almost 67%. He's really, over the last uh, you know few games, especially the last two, he's really lifted that completion percentage number up considerably. 2,766 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh Smitty, he's a red-hot quarterback going into this bowl game, and, and can he keep it going? That'll be the question. Yeah, and that's why Juice Wells is such a factor because, as I mentioned in the open, they, they've had a terrific rapport, and uh, the offense, uh, meaning the, the rest of his teammates, just seem to believe in Juice Wells. And what Juju McDowell said today about Spencer Rattler was when he was asked, why do you, what, what do you think the flip, uh, the, the switch of the flip, uh, flip of the switch was for Spencer, uh, what happened? And 
Juju said, I, I feel like he always made plays, but he was making some mistakes. And when I see him play at his best, um, he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and he, Juju McDowell said, I always walk by Spencer on game day and say, how you doing, Spencer? Everything okay? Feeling good? You know, kind of trying to help him relax a little bit because he said if it's a good day for Spencer Rattler, it's a good day for the Gamecocks. And he's absolutely right. And, and while I mentioned Juju McDowell, I, I failed to mention this in the open. He also said he's trying to improve um, his special teams play. So I think that's something to watch out for because on the, the depth chart we got on Monday, Josh Van, I think it was still listed as the punt returner. We now know Josh Van's unavailable due to that leg injury. He's out. So I, I wonder, and we know we've seen a Marion Brown make plays as a punt returner, but I wonder, could Juju McDowell get his hands on the ball in, in the return game and make a play? Yeah, I, I got to think they're going to get him the ball, as you suggested. He's uh, he's in space, he's electric, got great speed, uh, and can make the big play. Okay, we'll continue our conversation about the bowl games. You're welcome to join in. Number 888-898-2525. Back in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network here on a um, Wednesday. Good gracious. Can't keep the days apart. Today is Wednesday, right? Today is Wednesday. That makes tomorrow Thursday. That means we play football on Friday. In fact, Clemson been playing football, football and football, because they have been practicing over at the facility for the uh, Miami a professional soccer team. So uh, they had a, a brief um, media showing today. You could watch them stretch and stuff like that. Did not make it out there for that, but I heard the facility is is very, very nice. The Tigers had a, had a good time out there. So, you know, basically all the hard work is done for the teams. Now it's just a matter of getting out there and, and playing ball. From a Clemson standpoint, we talked a lot about the Gamecocks and their matchup with Notre Dame. From a Clemson standpoint, of course, you're talking about Cade Klubnick and everything being on Cade Klubnick now. It's his team. It's his offense. How well will he play? How well will he handle everything? Everybody thinks he's going to be fine. Time will tell. But everybody thinks that uh, he'll be able to step right into that role and and be successful and lead Clemson back to uh, quote-unquote greatness. Uh, we shall see. Um, how well will Clemson play up front? Got a newcomer at left guard, of course, because of injury. See how well that holds up. You got to figure Will Shipley will get his shots uh, with the football from a running standpoint and a receiving standpoint down the field, how well will the receivers play? And what will Tennessee do to counter Clemson and Klubnick, knowing that he is a first-time starter? What will they try to do to confuse him? Will they play out of character and change some things up defensively? Will they bring more pressure? Uh, will they, um, I don't know, will they man up on Clemson's receivers and uh, make Clemson try and run the football against them? These are questions that we will find more the answers to tomorrow at the press conference in, in some ways, not a lot of ways. And then defensively for Clemson, they have been working all week, um, getting ready for the extreme fast pace for Tennessee. And don't sell Joe Milton the third short. Remember, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school from over in the Orlando area. 
and ended up going to Michigan, started some games at Michigan, transferred to Tennessee. This will be his fifth start at Tennessee. He's overcome some injuries to continue his football career. He still has another year of eligibility remaining. Uh, listening to his question and answer session with the Tennessee media, a lot of it was about his arm strength. And like when he was in Knoxville before they left, apparently he did a video where he took oranges and they asked him to throw the oranges as far as he could, like from one end of the field at Neyland Stadium to the other and beyond. And he like threw one orange like 110 yards, I think they said. In other words – his arm strength is not to be questioned. And even though he's lost uh, two of his top receivers, um, and that's going to be a big a big problem for Tennessee offensively, Smitty, is overcoming the loss of, like, um, of Hyatt, for example. Um, they've lost a lot of production from, from that standpoint, their quarterback and their, uh, their two top receivers. How do they overcome that? Well, Tennessee does have – uh, a very productive running game. And it's really what they do. If you go back and look at what they did, how they, they bashed Vanderbilt at the close of the season, you know, you might look at that, glance at that, and think, well, Milton had a big game, but he was only about 12 of 21. Uh, not a big game. But what you're talking about, that arm strength can lift the, the top off of a defense. So you have to respect all four quadrants of the field. And that really creates some running lanes. So that, that's what's going to be interesting for Clemson is how much do you gamble because despite the loss of uh, the receivers, including Jalen Hyatt, and Joe Milton throwing to Jalen Hyatt, throwing the deep ball would have been a thing of beauty. I think it, we all would have paid cash money to see that, but we're not going to get to see that. But that arm strength for Joe Milton, how much does Wes Goodwin respect that? How much is he going to leave the safeties back to protect against those deep plays or potentially like happened in Wake Forest to Clemson? What about pass interference calls? Tennessee was one of the better teams in the country at drawing pass interference. That's something that could haunt Clemson as well. But the problem with Joe Milton is just like he threw that orange, I don't think anybody caught that orange, right? That could be a precursor. He doesn't have the most accurate arm. Is he the best decision maker? Not so far in his. So I don't know if as he progresses in his career, are you going to get John Elway or Jamarcus Russell? Two guys who throw the football out of the building. Two of the biggest arms we've ever seen. One of them uh, threw it to no one in particular most of the time. And that's what Joe Milton's got to guard against. He's got to get more accurate. And that's, uh, that's what my eye is on. Not his arm strength necessarily, but on those slant patterns on third and four. Can he make Clemson pay if they respect his arm and play back? Yeah. Uh, he's a big guy. <clears throat> he's 6'5", 244. Big guy with a big arm. And he has not thrown a pick this year uh, for Tennessee. Now, he's only thrown 54 passes. He's 34 of 54, 720 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, a lot of that came against Vanderbilt. And then he was in mop-up duty behind uh, Hendon Hooker before Hooker got hurt. Uh, in 2021, he threw 62 passes, no interceptions. He did throw four picks at Michigan back in 2020 when he uh, was in six games through 141 passes. Did not have great numbers. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Did not have great numbers. His one extensive run here recently at quarterback, he did not have you know, great numbers at Michigan, 56.7%, four touchdowns, four interceptions before they went in a, another direction there at quarterback. So let's see how he plays. That's obviously going to be huge for for Tennessee is how well he plays. So you really – got two quarterbacks uh, stepping in 
The only difference is is that Milton has one start under his belt, and that was against Vanderbilt, and they won that game 56 to nothing. So he really wasn't challenged. So basically you got two quarterbacks stepping into the limelight of a primetime New Year's six bowl game situation with a lot of pressure on them to deliver. In the case of Tennessee, you got a guy replacing a guy who was a Heisman. Had he not gotten hurt against South Carolina, had they continued to win and finish out the season, he might have actually been the Heisman Trophy winner or a very strong contender. The injury certainly took Hooker, uh, knocked him down, I think, in the in the minds of a lot of voters. Um, and so you got a guy who's kind of replacing an iconic figure. At Clemson, you got a guy replacing a guy who was in the minds of many kind of damaged goods. You know, he was the starter, but um, in the in the minds of many, he, he and and you know on and factually, he, he made a lot of mistakes, had too many fumbles, too many interceptions. That kind of um, that kind of watered down the good that uh, Uyangale did when he was the quarterback at Clemson. So this this is going to be interesting to see what happens between between these two quarterbacks as they step into the limelight. Okay, the phone number, 888-898-2525. We jump to Billy in Charleston, first with us tonight as we get to some phone calls. Billy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you, sir. Uh, I, I was listening to you talk about production as far as the losses that Carolina's gone on a football team, but I think as a fan, you got to look at it two ways. One, yes, it's a big loss for the team as a whole. But then again, you got to look at what kind of chance this is for the younger guys that might not even could have played in a game, have a chance to play and show what their possibilities are for going to next year as far as death is concerned. What do you think as far as going that route as far as who might be playing that we weren't expecting as far as, far as like younger players? Yeah, well, I think the first goal is not to – you know, get ready for next year. They did that during practice. A lot of young guys got yeah. a chance to practice and things like that. Their first goal, their only goal is to win the football game because, guys, exactly. for South Carolina guys <clears throat> to beat Notre Dame, that sounds great. To be four wins over ranked teams, three in a row, beating Notre Dame is just huge. I don't care what kind of shape the program is in. Beating Notre Dame is just huge, and you're catching Notre Dame at an uptick. Time, you know, they might have um, when they lost to Marshall at home, they were maybe overconfident, and uh, when they lost to Stanford at home, they were—I don't know what the issue was there. They just obviously didn't play well enough. <clears throat> losing to Ohio up. State, yeah, losing to Ohio State out there and losing to Southern Cal, you know, no great shame there. Um, you're catching a—you well, know—they were—they were in Ohio State game for three quarters and then just oh, kind of yeah. fell apart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely they were with the with the quarterback, Buckner, who's going to be the quarterback starting against the Gamecocks. So you just kind of wonder if they're kind of getting back to where they were in the preseason going into that Ohio State game. But you know they're going to line up and run the football. And the question is, can South Carolina bow up and have a, a strong defensive uh, attack up front? Uh, we, this is what makes it so hard, guys. I haven't really – I haven't. I'm going to pick my games tonight <clears> – <throat> I just don't know which South Carolina defense to expect. Uh, we, I've, throughout the season, we saw them get handled time and time again by big, strong offensive lines and get pushed back and create running room for the opposing team. But uh, even with those wins, we still have problems stopping our runs. Yeah, even with the, the the wins, you had trouble stopping the runs. So I don't know with with a team. 
that's going to be, I think, so focused on running the football. Um, can South Carolina come up with the kind of defensive um, game plan and performance, not effort, the effort will be there, but performance to right. keep Notre Dame in check? And that's a big question mark in my mind. Chris, uh, uh, Pat, what do you think? I apologize there, Phil. I was finishing building the commercial break and, and missed part of that. Are you asking about the, the consistency or lack thereof we've seen from the South Carolina defense? Is that the question here? Yeah, I'm just in, talking in about the Gamecock the defense and would they be strong enough defensively, consistently defensively against the run, something they've had trouble with throughout the season. Another great question. you got to think with Notre Dame playing with – I realize he was the starter early on in the season, but with – them now having to go back to essentially their backup quarterback, I would think that we will see an emphasis on stopping the run, especially because Notre Dame, that is their strength. They have such a big, overbearing or overwhelming offensive line. Remember, they'll also be without a couple of their tight ends, similar to South Carolina, who are very good blockers uh, for Notre Dame as well. One of the reasons their star tight end is sitting out is not only is he a great pass catcher, but he's also a great blocker. I fully expect Clayton White to load the box all day long. I would expect to see eight guys in the box nearly all day, essentially daring um, Notre Dame to throw the ball, kind of like they did against Clemson, forcing DJ. You know what? If you're going to let DJ throw the ball 30 times against us, that's cool. Our goal is to shot, to stop Shipley the best we can and make you guys one-dimensional. I would expect Clayton White to do a lot of the same against Notre Dame and almost dare them to throw the ball. Well, Smitty, you look at the uh, Gamecock numbers defensively this year against the run. They're giving up almost five yards per carry. <clears throat> They've given up 20 rushing touchdowns. The only team that did not rush for a, over 121 yards against them was Charlotte. They held them to 79. Maybe their most impressive well, they had a little streak there of, of three consecutive games where they were pretty good against the run. 121 to Kentucky, no touchdowns. 129 to Texas A&M, one touchdown. They won both those games. Missouri, they held 143, but they did score two rushing touchdowns. But they also, of course, lost that game and played terrible on offense. But down the stretch, in their last four games, they've been sliced and diced on the ground. Uh, Vandy, 226 rushing yards and a touchdown, 5.5 per carry. Florida, 374 rushing yards, 7 yards a carry, 3 touchdowns. Tennessee, 152, 5.4 yards per carry and a touchdown. And Clemson, 237. Tigers averaged over 6 yards per carry, 2 touchdowns, which makes you wonder why in the hell they ever throw the ball in that game, Smitty. So I do wonder about the Gamecocks' ability <laughs> to stop the run against a team that lives by the run. Notre Dame makes no secret about it. They're going to line up and run the football 40, 45 times, 50 times if possible. Absolutely. And and you're talking about a, a Gamecock defense that's lost <clears throat> two starters along that defensive line, and that doesn't even include Jordan Strawn, who was out you know, at the outset of the season. So – they're, they're missing key cogs in that defense. And Pat said something that I, I totally agree with. Uh, Clayton White's going to have to stack the box, which is going to put some pressure on some young players like O'Donnell Fortune, who's going to get a start at, at, a, at one of the cornerback positions. So uh, I, I think South Carolina is in a world of hurt here in terms of 
matchups. You know, I think this is a motivated South Carolina team. I think you have two motivated clubs. I think you have two young head coaches that want to win bowl games and want to finish the season on high notes uh, for recruiting and every other reason in Marcus Freeman and Shane Beamer. But I really struggle to see how South Carolina, in terms of matchups, comes up with ways to stop the run. The word is out. And if you look stylistically at with Tyler Buckner's athleticism, I think the team, the comp that South Carolina played earlier this year that is most like Notre Dame's offense stylistically now is Arkansas. And Arkansas rolled up 295 yards rushing. And the, and the thing that they did that a lot of teams didn't, they committed to it. They ran the football 65 times. Mm-hmm. I think South Carolina is going to have to stop the run, get Notre Dame off the field, because you're going to stop Notre Dame a little bit. It's going to be third and six. You know what Notre Dame's going to do? They're going to run it again. And can you stop it three consecutive times and force punts and win field position? And I don't know with their lack of depth in the front seven that they can do that. All right, and the other key here, key element, turnovers. Gamecocks have been good creating turnovers heading down the stretch. They finished the year with 20 turnovers created. In their last four games, they've come away with nine turnovers. In their last four games, they've won three of those four. And, of course, turnovers equate the losses. Notre Dame's turned it over 15 times. In their loss to Southern Cal, they turned it over twice. Their loss to Stanford, they turned it over twice. Their loss to Ohio State, they did not turn it over, but they turned it over three times against Marshall. So that's the that's the big wild card right there, tackling, pulling the football away, jumping on loose balls. If they're there, that'll be key for South Carolina as well. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Got to hit a break here on Sports Talk. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. 888-898-2525 is the number. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky line into us here on Sports Talk. Taking your phone calls. We're going to hear some comments from some players coming up. Uh, Will and the Thrill at the bottom of the hour will share their own unique insight for us on the bowl games coming up later on. We'll be back in a moment. You are always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance, your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174, serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists, for tires bigger than your grandma's house, for 3D printing research, for artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery, for funding scholarships, for funding grants, for funding innovation in this state. Thank you, the South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Back at Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network here in uh, Fort Lauderdale, <clears throat> where it touched uh, 80, 80 degrees today and supposed to be pretty much like this the rest of the week. Uh, Jacksonville, normally a little cooler. Smitty, what was your temperature today? I know it was pretty nice, I think, throughout most of Florida. What about there in South Georgia, Jacksonville? And um, make that uh, – that would be – yeah, that would be South Georgia, Jacksonville, South Georgia, North Florida. I consider it South Georgia. <laughs> How was it? Uh, yeah, a, a breezy 62. Very nice mm. here uh, in uh, the Kmart by the sea, Jacksonville, Florida. The Kmart by the sea. <laughs> really? Yeah, they used to be um, known for, like, Duval County was the entire city of Jacksonville, right? It was, like, the largest county. I think they used to say they were the largest county in the world because they incorporated the entire city in, that made up the entire uh, square, square mileage of Duval, Count, <clears throat> Duval County or something like that. So it's, it's a growing up city. I always like Jacksonville driving through, a pretty ride. You make, except, you know, when it's choked up with traffic. Um, but pretty city. They, they've made a lot of improvements there. I've been going to Jacksonville, going back into the – Gosh, I guess the the 1980s, uh, going to games there and stuff, and, of course, driving through. So, um, okay, back to the phones. 888-898-2525 is the uh, number, and we go to uh, Andy in Columbia next up here on the program. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Hey, Corn, Pat, Smitty, congratulations on the birth of your child. And I must say, the number one thing in Jacksonville, as I said last week, is those what used to be drive-through ABC stores where you could get a drink to go. <laughs> that was my favorite thing when I first hit Jacksonville for the Gator Bowls back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I was amazed. Okay, a comment and a, and a question. Am I the only one who really thought that uh, it was very unnecessary for you? to go for a two-point conversion at the end of the game last night? No, Chris Bergen was of the same mindset. He'll probably bring that up when he joins us here in a little bit because he texted me and said, what's Mike Houston doing going for a two-point conversion? Unless he was just thinking, unless Mike Houston was just thinking because uh, Coastal Carolina had scored and went for two, had gotten it down to a, a two-possession game, 16 points. So, you know, maybe his thought was, well, we go for two, it makes it a three-possession game once again. At 24 points. You go up 23 points. What was it? Two and a half minutes left in the game? If his team gave up three touchdowns in two I'm and just, a half minutes, he deserved to win. I'm, okay. just, I'm just saying you saw what happened last night in um, what was it the NBA. Uh, the Mavericks scored like with, nine with points in 30 seconds. I mean, come on. Yeah, the thing, Knicks, strange the things Knicks can happen. But you're right. It's a, it's a hard thing to swallow. 
this, you know, it's, it's an exhibition game. I mean, last night, I mean, Luka Donka, you know, Donka, whatever his name is, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Holy moly, that was, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, but holy moly. That was unbelievable. The man, the man, the man showed what the man can do. Okay, my question is this also, regarding Simon. Mm-hmm. I read on uh, somewhere, and maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, I guess it is. Can you confirm to me? Supposedly, when he was here on his um, on his visit, he signed before he left the university. So he had already signed papers as a transfer to the university, then went back to Western uh, Kentucky and was able to play. That's eligible under... NCAA guy. <clears throat> uh, I'm sure that yeah, if that happened, I'm sure that it's allowable. They're not going to do anything to mess it up. Um, I can't tell you with firsthand knowledge if wherever you read it, I'm sure it was probably accurate. If you read it from one of the websites that's been covering him uh, in this move, uh, I'm sure it's probably accurate. Um, so I you know, really wouldn't question that. Is it? Is it um, doable? Uh, I, I guess it must be. You got you got guys who are playing in bowl games who've already made announcements, commitments of transferring or transferring somewhere else. Even now, I will say it's a bit of a stretch of the imagination to think of a player taking an official visit the weekend prior to his team playing in a bowl game, a different team playing in a bowl game. But that's just the world we are in now with college athletes and their ability to move freely from one team to the next, almost game by game, so it seems. So well, I would have to say it's probably thing, true, so. and I'd have to say it must be legal or they wouldn't have done it. Committing's one thing, Phil, because we know these kids commit, and then tomorrow they commit to someone else. But when you sign on the dotted line, that's, you know, you're there. Well, I'm sure you're he just of, signed you're, scholarship you're papers as a transfer. I'm sure he just signed scholarship papers, you know, as a grad transfer. There's not a letter of intent involved. That's why the transfers, when Beamer had his recruiting press conference, the transfers weren't talked about or announced because they don't sign LOIs. They do sign scholarship papers that binds the school to them to cover their education. That's probably what he signed. We'll be back after the top of the hour break. Thank you, Andy. Good hearing from you. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's our number two of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut in Fort Lauderdale. We have Matt Smith in uh, Jacksonville. Pat Daniel at our Dave and Buster Studios in Columbia. Back to your phone calls shortly. Going to hear from some Gamecocks and Tigers as well coming up. Recruiting also. Will and the Thrill coming your way too. But just getting back from Birmingham is our man Chris Bergen. And uh, Bergie, of course, part of the Coastal Carolina broadcast crew, not to mention a star here on Sports Talk. And he was on the sideline watching the uh, beatdown that Coastal Carolina took last night from East Carolina, 53-29. to uh, 29. Uh, And this was a game that uh, was kind of tight. Uh, Coastal fell behind. 
they went ahead 14 to 10. And I guess, Berge, obviously, from a coastal standpoint, knowing that they were going to have a hard time stopping East Carolina offensively, turning point for them was Grayson McCall going down injured after they went up 14 to 10. And um, offensively, they just couldn't keep up with East Carolina from that point moving forward. No question, Phil, and uh, good to be back. I just got off the uh, off of I-20 not that long ago. Still haven't even unpacked, so you guys are the uh, first outside of my wife to uh, see us back in South Carolina. So uh, no, good to be back home, though. That's touching. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to be a part of sports talk, but you're right. Uh, that was a ball game in which East Carolina flat out was just better. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Chad Stagg said as much, the interim head coach for Coastal in the postgame last night. They were just better. But you're right, 14-10, to 10, Grayson McCall somersaults into the end zone after running into a defender, and uh, as he has always been since his career began at Coastal, he plays with a reckless abandon. And if that is his last play, it somewhat sort of typifies his career at Coastal. Guy who would do anything to try and win and score, and he lands direct. I'm not sure I've ever seen this before. He, was, he flipped a somersault, and his entire body – was perpendicular to the ground, and he landed squarely on the top of his head. I'm sure you've mm. seen it by now. If you haven't, it's, it's a scary-looking shot. And so he scores the touchdown. They go up 14-10. to 10. He comes off the field, and you can tell he's not quite right. The uh, sports medicine and uh, doctors and athletic training staff for Coastal immediately, obviously, went to him, took him inside the medical tent for, gosh, maybe 90 seconds. He was not in there long, and they immediately took him back to the Coastal locker room. And the next time I saw him walking by was midway through the third quarter in street clothes, and you just knew he wasn't going to return. And Jarrett Guest is an accomplished quarterback and a, a good quarterback, good fill-in for Grayson McCall. Obviously, after McCall leaves, it's 14-10 to 10 at that point. And the next time, really, Coastal gets a chance to get on the scoreboard, it's 31-14. to 14. And so as in as much as the loss of Grayson McCall was a big deal, it's Coastal's defense the last several ball games. Their four losses this season, they gave up at least, I think it was 45 points in each of those ball games and just got blitzed the last three. And you Gamecock fans who got to see him last year, Holton Aylers is every bit as good a quarterback as you'll see. I mean, he was dynamite last night, MVP of the game, 300 yards passing, five passing touchdowns. He also rushed for a score. And that offense, when it gets cooking, it's tough to stop because they rely so heavily on these short, quick passers, uh, passes rather, that mm-hmm. you can't get to Aylers. And uh, Coastal did everything they could to try and figure out a way to get to him and put some pressure on him, but they really never did. Turnovers were a big story as well, especially in the second half. Coastal was trying to make a little, little move, had a little momentum, coughed it up uh, on a drive where it looked like they might have a chance to, uh, I think at that point in time, take the lead. But uh, the turnovers were, were a big deal. Uh, Grayson McCall going out, certainly a big deal for Coastal. But I think it, it boils down to the fact they give up nearly 500 yards of total offense and uh, six touchdowns to the uh, quarterback who ultimately became the MVP of the game last night, Holden Ehlers. Yeah, <clears throat> he's had a great career at East Carolina. So what's going to be left in Conway after all the transitioning takes place? What are some of the rumblings you're hearing on McCall? Uh, What are some of the rumblings you're hearing regarding the uh, coaching staff, uh, the departures, and the potential arrivals? Looks like the majority of the offensive coaching staff is probably headed to Liberty. Last night may have been there last night in in Conway, uh, Mm. quite frankly, because I think they're probably on their way this weekend starting to pack and head up and join Jamie. And and it makes sense that Jamie Chadwell will bring his offensive staff because that's how he cut his teeth. And those guys, quite frankly, are part of the reason he got the job at Liberty. So I think he's taking the majority of that staff. Defense is going to be interesting to see. They've already hired 
I'm, I'm not sure if it's been public knowledge, but they have hired a defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, and also an OC. So they've got their coordinators put in, and Tim Beck said within the next couple of weeks, the new coach at Coastal, he'll have everybody in place. I think Chad Stacks has been asked if he'd like to stay on the staff and be retained on the defensive side. He said last night afterwards he, he really hadn't given a whole lot of thought <clears throat> into what his uh, future looks like in, in at Coastal or anywhere else. Said he wanted to get through the bowl game and do everything he could to try and help uh, the uh, team win last night. So that didn't work out. And I would I would be surprised if if Chad Stagg stays. I think he'll probably end up going somewhere else and getting another opportunity to uh, be a defensive coordinator. So I, I think you'll see major turnover on that staff from the holdovers going forward. They may only keep one or two. Now, with regards to McCall, that's a much more interesting story, Phil, because you and I chatted about this last night. Mm -hmm. He's been in the portal since December the 12th. And that just seems like an awfully long time for someone to go into the transfer portal without a, a, a landing spot. And the longer, and I think Coastal fans might be encouraged by this, the longer you see him not announcing he's going somewhere else, leads me to think that he's uh, leaning heavily towards coming back and maybe finishing his, his career at Coastal. <clears throat> maybe didn't find a landing spot that he liked. Mm -hmm. Now, with Wake Forest opening up a little bit, that might be interesting with the Sam Hartman news moving on. But uh, I think if I had to put odds on it now, maybe 50-50 he returns to Coastal. Wow. And that's just an absolute guess. But yeah. that, just, just from the standpoint, you haven't heard anything about it since he uh, jumped into the portal two weeks ago. That would be a stunning turn of events because I think most people have written him off as uh, heading on down that road. But that was certainly – boy, you think Tim Beck would do a, a cartwheel <laughs> or two over that to have Grayson McCall? And, look, McCall was putting together a nice game last night before he got hurt. Uh, his, his, I don't think – I think he had one incomplete pass for about 60-something yards. And he leaves, Coastal's up. But then, again, at that point, their, their defense – before we let you go, what, what happened to the defense this year? Was it just – the injury bug uh, biting the defense, or why were they so porous on defense, especially down the stretch? Well, they've lost some pretty good personnel over the uh, last couple of years off that, <clears throat> that defensive front in particular. And, of course, that, that front seven, keep in mind last year, Phil, they played so many of the super seniors. They were really old defense. Mm -hmm. And all those guys have graduated, and heck, some of them are on the staff now as, as assistant coaches or analysts. And then you had uh, both uh, Jordan Strong and uh, – Lance Boykin and the uh, Coastal Secondary both declaring for the draft, so they didn't play last night, and obviously Holton Aylers knew that too and took full advantage of a much undersized uh, Coastal Secondary and against some big wide receivers for East Carolina who are not just talented, but they're tall and physical. And so they just took full advantage of a weak spot for Coastal. But I think uh, the attrition, losing players, not just the opt-outs, but certainly the injuries, and just maybe not replacing the talent they had before with with continued talent. I think that's where Tim Banks is going to really have to step up. He tried to address it in the early signing period. You'll remember what last week when they had the uh, early signing period, all six uh, commitments that they signed were defensive players. So I think and he was on the field the entire pretty much the entire ball game last night. So he got to see up close and personal what he's inheriting. And I, I would not be surprised if they start trying to add more defensive players for the February signing class as well. All right, my friend, you uh, go get some rest. You deserve it. You've been uh, jumping all over the place. You jump into basketball again. Some belt conference action for Coastal begins uh, tomorrow at home against Louisiana. So enjoy yeah, that. Preseason it, favorites to win the Sun Belt. Yeah. 
So <laughs> it doesn't get any easier for Cliff Ellis and his bunch after losing to probably the best team in the state of South Carolina last week. Now they get perhaps the uh, best team in the Sun Belt to kick off league play tomorrow night. Enjoy, and uh, we'll touch base with you tomorrow and uh, go from there. Have a great Sounds one. good, pal. Thank good you. Good Pat. Have a good evening. Thank you. Chris Bergen with us here on Sports Talk. He's primarily known as co-host of Sports Talk, and uh, he has this sidekick with the uh, <laughs> with the Shauna Clears, and we appreciate him being with us. Uh, Arkansas lay in the leather to Kansas, 31-13 at the half. K.J. Jefferson, 11 of 18, 176 yards. He's also rushed. Uh, and that's two touchdowns and a pick. He's also rushed for 92 yards and a touchdown. So Arkansas uh, rolling. Um, obviously, the uh, the work that uh, Dowell Loggins did uh, with them is is paying off because they're even though he's not there, they're 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 playing in his image, I guess. Um, from the tight end coaching position, uh, they're up 31-13 uh, over uh, Kansas as they play in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Let's go to. Um, Harold in Greenville, get back to our phone calls. We'll hear from um, Wes Goodwin coming up shortly, also from the Gamecocks, and uh, some recruiting, and Will and the Thrill. So we go to um, Harold in Greenville. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Doing fine, Corn. <clears throat> this is my third call this week, probably my last one. I'm just hanging around because I want to hear Arrogant Wheel and Daydream of Thrill coming up at 7.30. <laughs> yes, they're but, coming up at 7.30. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, what I've heard from Smitty, uh, I don't know what, I mean, you haven't kind of uh, spread, I mean, the points uh, where the Notre Dame of South Carolina is given to getting yet. Yeah, yes. yeah, we can tell you that. Go ahead, Smitty. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame is just favored by two points. So Las Vegas sees it as a real tight ball game. Yeah, well, what Smitty? <laughs> uh, if if uh, South Carolina can't stop uh, Notre Dame's running, it's going to be awful. But uh, you know, if they can come back and match the score from the other side, but uh, this thing, you know, I mean, oh, I've heard about it. All this. Listen, I told you first of the week, uh, Corn, how I felt about this about the. Uh, teams getting to the bowl, and the players opting out of it, and I don't. They should at least have something to come in. Uh, going to a bowl game, if you own a team, whether you have a direct or indirect impact, it don't make no difference. You can't transfer to under, after the bowl team. You know, you know the uh, team you're on in a bowl. I mean, this this stuff. Uh, just give up the bowls. You know, mm. I mean, that's what it's come to. I know it's just, you know, uh, I well, don't let know. Me, let me mention this, Harold, and thank you for the phone call. Um, a story you. came out today. Thank you. <clears throat> College football's bowl system eyeing sweeping overhaul. This was written by uh, Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated. And so it says here um, about the bowl season, and things that they're looking at, especially with the expansion of the uh, college football playoffs coming. Bowl officials plan to meet with conference commissioners this spring to explore significant changes that would revolutionize bowl games and pave the way for the future of the postseason. Serious change appears on the horizon. Bowls are working to evolve in the current climate of college football. The executives are expected to examine a great number of issues, including stiffening the criteria for eligibility from a 6-6 six and six record, 
providing more standard name, image, and likeness payments to all players participating in a bowl. I think Chris has been talking about that, hasn't he? Further incorporating bowls in the playoffs, shifting bowl games up a week in December, establishing more flexibility in conference bowl affiliations, and finally incorporating more TV partners within the bowl season. The conversations are the first foray into what could be a years-long process of evolving the bowl slate in conjunction with the playoffs expanding to 12 teams in the fall of 2024. So, yeah, they're looking at doing something and see if they can improve the situation. Uh, Here is an editor's note, 13 bowls. 13 bowls drew fewer than 2 million viewers last year with the Bahama Bowl's audience of 851,000 ranking as the smallest. Um, so, uh, is that good? Is that a is that I mean obviously I don't know if, if it's 2 million viewers is that are 2 million viewers too few to to make it worth your while or is ESPN losing money? They're not losing money, I wouldn't think. Uh, Disney's not going to lose money with ESPN and, and the bowl games that they own and, and operate. Um, you take all the viewers together, I would imagine, you go to your advertisers and you say, you know, we're spreading out this advertising over all these games and you're going to have this number of people taking a look at you. But despite all that, there are things that the bowl people feel like they need to do to make it um, worthwhile. And you know, first and foremost is guaranteeing that the uh, the best players are playing in the bowl games. And that the teams, the teams that finish their regular season in late November, uh, barring injury, that that's the team that shows up for the bowl game. Not some redshirt freshman quarterback who hasn't played hardly at all. All of a sudden, he's your starting quarterback. And, and you're playing with one and a half arms tied behind your back, and it's not going to be a ball game. You know, who wants to see that? So, yeah, we'll see what happens here with the, with the bowl season with the bowl, with the bowl games and the and the personnel there as they try to remain uh, relevant if they can. Okay, let's hit the break uh, and we'll come back and hear from Wes Goodwin, the Clemson defensive coordinator, and his thoughts about getting ready for this uh, Tennessee offense, which leads the nation in total offense, leads the nation in scoring, leads the nation in total points. Uh, is one of the fastest, if not the fastest, playing offenses in the country. There's a lot of things to deal with, even with the substitutions in this Tennessee offense from players who have departed. It's still a very dangerous attack. His thoughts on that coming up after the break. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty of barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. I wonder if this particular piece of bumper music, that song, would be in the playlist for Wes Goodwin in his uh, choice of music. It doesn't strike me as a type, but who knows? He might uh, he might like a little uh, hip-hop music there in his mix. Strikes me more as the country music type of fan, I would imagine, that dominates his playlist. Not that anybody really cares about that. They care about him getting his defense ready to go for Clemson against Tennessee. He met with the media today in a – in a group setting, in a formal group setting, uh, taking questions about getting ready for this fast-paced Tennessee offense. Here are some comments. Preparing for the pace, Tennessee will come at you. What kind of things that you had to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just trying to create stress there in practice, using uh, two huddles of offenses, uh, just moving the ball up and down the field. Um, trying to create a stress and make it unrealistic, just so just so uh, our guys have a feel for what it's going to be like on on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're going to do what they do. You know, they're trying to go as fast as possible. You know, snap it within eight, ten, ten seconds of of it being spotted or whatever. But um, you know, our, our guys are. Uh, I'll be ready to go on on Friday night. Why is Tennessee able to get their really good receivers kind of matched up against guys maybe out of position, whether it's linebackers or someone that is a favorable matchup? They do do an amazing job offensively as a staff of of game planning, figuring out your weakest links and and who to attack and how how to create matchups. That's what the game of football is all about: players and matchups. At the end of the day, and. Uh, you know, they do a great job of formationally and, and use emotions to create those matchups and then, uh, you know, get, give their receivers the ability to run their route based off of leverages and uh, a lot of choice option routes. And, uh, you know, the DBs can't be right. How about the strain of them stretching the field sideline to sideline as well? Yeah, they use those wide splits and, and just trying to create extra space in the seams and, uh, you know, it's kind of unique. Sometimes you uh, you don't see it very often, but um, it creates a lot of stress and a multitude of problems defensively. Uh, 
last year? What, what do you think changes for them without those two times? I think they, they're going to continue to do what they do. You know, it's, it's bowl season. They're not going to wholesale change anything that, that they do offensively. And, uh, you know, they have, have more depth, you know, kind of next man up for them. And uh, the guys that are going to get that opportunity for them are just as dangerous. They're, they're fast, explosive, can knock the top off the defense, and uh, are more than capable of doing what they, they do. You guys know what defensively sort of in those fast-paced communication type of situations defensively? Yeah, just, uh, you know, you, first of all, you can't celebrate after a, a big play or whatever. Get lined up, look at the sideline. It's my job to get the call in quick so that we can get lined up, have a chance to be successful. And uh, I think it all starts with me, first and foremost, getting the call in and then uh, guys getting lined up. And, and putting their eyes on the right things, the right leverage, and that, that sort of thing. Obviously, uh, a lot of areas that I feel like I, I've grown in, um, but first and foremost, probably just uh, every day bringing it on the, co uh, on the practice field as a coach, just raising the intensity levels and uh, coaching the details and uh, just raising uh, – the intensity at practice, first and foremost, uh, I think I think just overall comfort comfort of of my preparation habits, uh, you know, my game plan structure. You know, I feel like I got better week in week out. I feel like the guys, uh, you know, gained a, a, a whole lot a whole lot of. Uh, I'm sorry, they gained a better understanding of, of my expectations, how I am as a play caller you know, how, how we go about things. And I, I feel like the comfort level got better with the players week in and week out as well. Okay, Wes Goodwin, Clemson defensive coordinator, got a big task uh, in front of him. Tigers have, um, you know, they haven't been great on defense this year. I don't think you could say that. They gave up the 31 points to South Carolina. And I knew turnovers had something to do with that. I mean, it's a it's a combination thing between the offense and the defense when the offense isn't going great and turning the ball over, or special teams plays, uh, gives up uh, points. and um, But I don't think the Clemson defense, I don't think uh, Tiger fans would feel like the Clemson defense has been the dominant force than it was a few, uh, compared to where it was a few years ago. Um, and giving up uh, some big plays down the field, trouble in the secondary at times, um, they they have been, of course, pretty consistently good against the run with when they're healthy up front. Now, not having Miles Murphy around will will certainly hurt them some. But of course, they're deep at the defensive end position. They can they can run a, a Justin Maskell out there. Of course, you got KJ Henry on the other side. You can um, have Rook in there at defensive tackle and move Bressy to the defensive end. Bressy said he's been he's been practicing all over the defensive front. Um, but Pat, I don't know. I, I, do, you, do you see this Clemson defense at, at the same level it was? Certainly not at its height under Venables, but even even not the greatest of defenses under Venables, those were still pretty good. Um, I don't know that I can put this Clemson defense in that category right now going into this game. It's all about consistency for this team. I think Wes Goodwin improved as the season went on. It seemed like he was still trying to kind of get more comfortable calling the plays. His confidence rose, and so did the defenses throughout the year. 
but consistency is what lacked, and it's a matter of kind of which defense is going to show up for this game. Yeah, giving up 20 points per game ordinarily, that's not too bad, but for Clemson, that's a pretty high figure. We'll be back after the break. All right, back we are on Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network, Will and the Thrill, coming up momentarily while we get them connected. Let's give you the recruiting report for tonight. It is brought to you by Seawells. Reminder that Seawells, the daily luncheon buffet, will resume next week. So you can celebrate in style in 2023 with the daily luncheon buffet. Brand new in 2023 in terms of the start of the new year. And so make sure you get there when they start serving again. I think it's going to be like, what, next Wednesday or so before they have it back out there? It's well worth the trip. It's well worth the wait. 11 to 2 every day, Monday through Friday. And with the new year coming up, you got plans. You need something. um, You need the best in catering for something like a wedding reception or a birthday party or a corporate outing or an awards banquet. Things like that, just put uh, Seawells on your list to make a phone call, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So Shane Beamer, you might recall, on signing day, he said he wasn't finished, adding to the class, proven to be true, Crestwood grad tight end Joshua Simon. He has... uh, hadn't announced it, but he was quoted by and reported by Gamecock Central that he is transferring from Western Kentucky to South Carolina for his graduate seasons. He will actually have two seasons of eligibility with the Gamecocks. So that's good. He played with his team in a bowl game in New Orleans last Wednesday night. However, the Big Spur reported that he took an official visit to USC the weekend of December 16th. So he had a standout career with the Hilltoppers in 40 games. He called 86 passes, 1,146 yards, 16 touchdowns, a career long of 77 yards. He averaged 13.5 yards per catch. This despite playing just one game in 2021 after being injured in the season opener. This season, Simon caught 20 passes for 273 yards and a career-high seven touchdowns in the bowl game Wednesday night. He was targeted six times. He caught two passes for 15 yards. And when he catches a touchdown, I think the play-by-play call should be, and Simon says, touchdown Gamecocks. What do you think about that, Smitty? Simon says, touchdown Gamecocks. I think Todd Ellis, who I know listens religiously to the show, (laughs) is probably going to take that from you. (laughs) Yeah, okay. 2024, offensive tackle Blake Franks of Greenville said he will take visits to USC, Clemson, and possibly Auburn in January before making his final decision. He's looking at a date in February, possibly his mother's birthday on the 7th for making his announcement. Clemson today offered 2024 cornerback Ashton Hampton of Tallahassee, tied in Christian Bentonker, Named the top three of Clemson, Oregon, 
and Ohio State. And a couple of other items in recruiting. To wrap it up before we get to Will and the Thrill, if you missed what we had last night, just touching on a couple of carryover items, defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler of Atlanta plans to announce his favorite schools on New Year's Day. So that's a very good reason to get over your hangover quickly so you can be sober and figure out what he's uh, tweeting out. Uh, Clemson and the Gamecocks have been heavily involved, would expect both to be on his uh, short list when he announces. And USC and Clemson target 2024 receiver Jonathan Paler of Burlington, North Carolina, was offered by uh, Colorado. Okay, there you go with a few recruiting notes tonight right here on Sports Talk. Are we ready for the uh, dynamic duo? I think we are. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure de jour to uh, welcome back to Sports Talk after the long holiday break and before they get into their New Year's festivities, which might leave them in a in a place that we don't want to visit. It is time for Will and the Thrill. Will Merritt, former Tiger, great. And I don't throw that word around loosely. Great offensive lineman. And former Gamecock, great I don't throw that word around loosely. Great defensive end slash outside linebacker. The original slash. You know, slash actually came along later. The original slash. Carl the Thrill Hill. Great to have the two of you with us. Uh, Will, thank you for joining us. I know you're up visiting family and friends up in uh, in snowy Cleveland. But it's great to have you. Uh, Hope you had happy, happy holidays. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Clemson team after yeah. what's happened since the ACC championship, the changeover at quarterback, uh, et cetera? Uh, what do you think about the ma- the matchup here with Tennessee? Well, first and foremost, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Happy New Year. I hope you all have a very blessed holiday season and go into next year um, with a tons of expectation, just like the Tigers will be on Friday night. I, I think that you know, I've, I've been in contact with Streeter since he's been down in Miami. Obviously, I kind of wish I was in Miami right now. I'm walking through about six inches of snow, and it's 21 degrees where I'm at. Um, uh, you know, Miami sounds pretty good about right now, so hopefully I can get down there soon. Um, but, um, you know, Phil, there's been a lot of uh, carryover, um, good and bad, in my opinion, from the South Carolina loss. Um, obviously, South Carolina – um, you know, made plays where Clemson did not make plays. And then, you know, for Clemson to bounce back and then to, to beat North Carolina the way they did shows you that they have the ability to have a very short memory and, um, and, and to have a little bit of amnesia about losing that game to the Gamecocks. And I think that's going to carry over to Friday night. I think this will be a very, very daunting task for this offense. I do feel very comfortable with Cade at quarterback. I, I take nothing away from what DJ did, nothing whatsoever. Um, I thought he gave Clemson everything he had, but I just think Cade is obviously – he's the future of the program. And I feel very confident about him going into the game Friday night. As we know, Tennessee is – they're very, very talented on defense. We know that. They, they're – you know, sometimes they give up big plays. And I think that – I think if you, if you ask me – where Clemson wins the ball game, it's with big plays. I don't think you're going to grind it out against Pruitt. I don't think you're just going to sit there and, and pound him all night long with the run. 
I think that you will have to hit him deep with some with some balls. But I think Kate is very capable of that. Um, but there has been a lot of change, um, and there has been a lot of turnover. And anytime you have that much turnover in such a short period of time, uh, it can wreak havoc on your offense as far as you know the ability to hang on to the football or not turn it over or have miscues. And I think if Clemson can keep those at bay, they have a very good chance of not only beating Tennessee, but obviously covering that five-point spread. Yeah, you mentioned the big plays given up by um, Tennessee's defense. They've allowed um, 58 plays of 20 yards or more by their defense. So, yeah, they are susceptible. Yeah. Their yeah. offense, however, has, has had 78 plays of 20 yards or more right. and then throw in another exactly. 16 in their special teams. That's a total of 94 plays of 20 yards or more by their special teams and their offense. Let me jump to Carl real quick and bring him in, Will. So uh, hang on, you shiver sure. up there. Carl's getting ready to head to Jacksonville where it'll be a good bit warmer. Uh, and speaking of, of turnover, Carl, and Happy New Year, Merry Christmas to you. Um, good bit of that on uh, the side of the Gamecocks as well. Uh, lost some key people on defense, some very key people on offense. Uh, is this team going to be a shell of itself from what you saw against Clemson? Are, are they going to be um, – can they put a product on the field that's going to resemble what the Gamecocks did those last two games? And, and happy today, guys, and happy all days uh, mm. and all these holidays. Hey, I put it like this here. Offensively, I think there's still enough talent there that's left to actually put together a game plan to win this football game. Defensively, golly, man, you got freshmen all over the field. <laughs> you got a lot of young pups out there on defense. The, the advantage we have defensively, though, we got a coach that I think can put those guys in the right position. We just got to stop them running the football. They're gonna, their, their mindset is to run the football but you know how coaches get a little smart sometimes when they think they know that's what they're going to do. Then they try to go throw the ball. Defensively, we just got turnovers, and offensively, we need some big plays. I think we can win this football game. I, I put it like this. I'm saying that we win this football game. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, Will and the Thrill here on Sports Talk. And, yes, absolutely. Merry Christmas, Carl. And, and Will, I wanted to jump in and ask you a question really quickly. Sure. I, I'm, I'm really curious. As, from your eye, your a- analytical eye, and you watch this receiving group, I wonder, the last two years, DJ Uyunglele has been the quarterback at Clemson. Is this an unproductive group of wide receivers, or now that Cade Klubnick is taken over, are we going to see these guys spring to life because he throws a different ball and it's going to be a different offense? I think that is a fantastic question, and I think it's a very healthy blend of both. Um, I think it's a, and I, and I, I don't mean to try to, um, you know, water down my answer, but I think you're you're dead on it when you say that. It has been a very unproductive group. There is no doubt about it. But, however, I wonder sometimes has it been unproductive because the passes have been somewhat uncatchable at times. And, and I'm not saying that DJ was uncatchable at all, all the time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that to have a, the youngest uh, receiving core that we've had in quite some time, you needed a quarterback that could put it, tattoo them right between the numbers, and that didn't happen. Um, I do think you have a quarterback now that throws a beautiful deep ball. 
He throws a very soft touch short pass. Um, he's very accurate in his screens. Um, back out of the backfield, he puts the ball in place where the running backs don't break stride. Um, there's a lot of little things that Cade does very, very well. So to answer your question, yes, it has been very unproductive. But they have also dropped passes that were catchable. So let's just – let's not put it all on the quarterback. I mean, look at the South Carolina game, for instance. I mean, look how many times the ball hit him directly in the hand and the ball ended up on the ground. So you can't blame a quarterback for that. However, uh, I do think that a, a change um, as the signal caller in the backfield can yield to great productivity. And if that doesn't happen Friday night, I'm going to be very, very surprised. I, and I, I think Streeter is extremely excited about being able to call a different type playbook with uh, K than he did with DJ. And, and Carl, uh, and I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about, you know, South Carolina simply has to stop the run. You, you were at one time a young defensive player out there. You know, and, and South Carolina's going to run players like uh, O'Donnell Fortune out at cornerback. Uh, against Notre Dame, can you afford to just stack the box and put young players on an island? Will that work if that's, if that's the game plan you have to go with? Are, are you going to have the guts as a coaching staff to put those freshmen out there on islands? I, I don't think you can play that. We played that type of defense against Tennessee and against Clemson. Because we had corners that you can put on an island. Hell, we don't even know if these two guys can swim yet. So <laughs> you, might not, you might not try to put them on an island. That's, that's great. On occasion, you can put them on an island. But there are things that you can do without putting your, your secondary, your young secondary in jeopardy. And you kind of play like a cover two defense. Where everybody is five yards off the line, off the line of scrimmage from a receiver, instead of playing a four-two-five, you'll play you'll bring that fifth guy, the outside linebacker, you'll bring him closer to the line of scrimmage. So you can bring people a little bit closer, and you can cheat your corner, the safeties up a little bit, just because Notre Dame don't throw the ball extremely well anyway, and so they're going to try to prove a point. But until they beat you throwing the ball, you got to stop their running game. Yeah, they're going to run the football, no question about it, with that mindset. I have, I'll be surprised if they don't attempt. If the game is tight, I'll be surprised if Notre Dame doesn't attempt to run it 40 to 50 times against that Gamecock defensive front and see if they can, they can stop them. All right, before we let you go, we are shifting from the rivalry meter to the victory confidence level meter for the two bowl games. Will – What's your meter reading about the confidence level of a Clemson victory over Tennessee on uh, Friday night? Oh Well, let me go back to the rivalry meter. I'm going to go with a zero instead of ten now that the game's <laughs> over. Um, right. So let, let, me, let me just start off with that one. Um, That's that nice of you. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I feel very confident. You know, obviously Hooker was a difference maker for Tennessee and, and – and, I think that him not being in the game, I feel very confident that Clemson will, will win this ball game. I think they're very, very hungry to end the season with a 12th win, a positive note going into the offseason. Um, I think the, the challenge is that Tennessee is going to throw 
I mean, they'll they'll probably throw between 12 to 15 different defensive strategies against Clemson's offense. So I think if the offensive line plays well, that's the key to Clemson because Tennessee will literally throw every different formation you have ever seen defensively at you. And offensively, they still know how to move the football. And um, so, and I think I think uh, Pruitt is a, a really good play caller. But I'm gonna I'm still gonna stay in that seven to eight range as far as I believe that Clemson is very very hungry. We've always played well against Tennessee. Uh, we've played well in the Orange Bowl. Uh, we're used to playing in Miami. We're used to playing in the Orange Bowl. Um, and I just feel very confident that this team will be overly prepared to win this ball game. All right, very good. And Carl, where is your uh, confidence meter reading regarding the Gamecocks Friday afternoon against Notre Dame? Before my meter was kind of farther around a five and a half, six. And last week I had the opportunity to go down to the football office and had conversations with a couple guys, had conversations with three or four coaches. And, man, those guys are pumped up. They're excited. The guys are excited, ready to play. I just think this is this is our offense is going to still look like the offense of the last couple of weeks. Defensively, we probably going to be more like a, a Ellis Johnson type defense where you let them get between the 20s, but when you get to the 20, then you can actually have your corners be on the island because it's man-to-man for 20 yards. I like our chances win. I'm at a seven, seven and a half now. Nice. All right. Both of you have good high confidence levels. We'll see how it plays out. Gentlemen, happy new year. Safe travels. Uh, Will, uh, throw a snowball for me. And you got Carl, it. Have fun being stuck in traffic getting to Jacksonville. Uh, we'll talk to you guys. We'll wrap it up next week after everything's done. We'll catch back up with you. One more look back. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Happy guys. New Year, and, be be, and I'd be surprised if Sean don't play a big role in this game. We thank you. Appreciate that very much. Okay. Take a break here on Sports Talk, and we'll be back in just a moment. Some comments from Juice Wells. Smitty was there with the Gamecocks. We'll hear that coming up after the break. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. 
the lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right, Smitty, you were with the Gamecocks today as they talked with the media, offensive players, and you got up close to Juice Wells for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And Juice Wells, we know how uh, productive he has been the last couple of games against Tennessee and Clemson. And he's asked about uh, what this offense is going to look like with some of the opt-outs and transfer missing from the depth chart. And if he's made a decision on next season, here's Juice Wells from earlier today. Kind of practice been like? How's the, the energy out there getting ready for this game? Good, man. It's getting better and better every day. You know, uh, first practice was a little shaky. You know, but today we went out, we went out there and went out there. So. Juice missing a couple of guys in the receiver rotation. How are y'all feeling in those gaps now that uh, with Van and Brooks out? You know, just Vets got to step up, you know, and then we got to take, take the rest. We're going to take the rest. Might get an IV before the game or something like that, but, I mean, it's a big game. So guys like me, you know, Xavier, AB, we got to step up and just take on that role. Just how is the chemistry between you and Spencer right now after the last two games? Seemed like you guys just kept finding each other. I think 20 catches over the past yeah, two. So. Good, same thing. You know, ain't, ain't, nothing, ain't nothing missing, nothing like that. Same thing. Regular decker. Sorry, I like it's made up this time of year by guys opting out of holes. What made you want to play in this game? Uh, I just feel like this will put an exclamation mark on the season. You know, um, just to go out there and play another game with my guys. You know, I love them boys, you know, so I don't want to just leave them high and dry, you know what I'm saying? On that same line, Juice, you made a decision about next year? No, nah, not yet. Mm-hmm. We're still in there. What will go into that decision? Uh, my quarterback, for yeah. sure. You know, uh, what kind of recruits we get in and uh, just a few other things, you know, but uh, definitely see my quarterback doing. So. Have, have you got a chance to talk to Coach Loggins yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. When he, uh, the first day he came there, you know, I introduced myself. We talked for a little bit. Uh, I met him on the I talked to him on the phone also a few times, but he's just been laid back, you know, trying to the coach his coach. I feel like when his opportunity comes to coach, he's going to come in and do his thing for sure. Early impressions? from him on after a couple phone calls. He seemed like he's a chill guy. You know, he's just laid back. He don't, he don't do too much. You know, he just seemed real cool. And sticking with that theme they were talking about, just how has this offense been rallying together with some of the opt-outs? What's that process been like? And, and what's your assessment on where it's at heading into the game Friday? You know, uh, you know, just positions that guys left, it gives another opportunity for the other guys to step in, you know, you know, make those plays. You know, like with Mashawn leaving, you got Juju stepping up, Shaja stepping up, you know, with Jaheim Lee and, and Austin leaving, you know, it makes room for Nate to step up. So, I mean, every guy's got to step up and just, you know, take on that role. How different? Is this offense expected to look against Notre Dame compared to what it was against Tennessee? I don't, I don't really see nothing major, you know, changing. You know, uh, the last two games we threw the ball a lot, so I feel like you know it's going to be a lot of that. You know, also, but we also got guys in the backfield that can run the ball too. So I don't really feel like too much is going to change. Where do you feel like your game is kind of personally from where you first came in from James Madison to where it is now? Is there and give another year to go up? Oh, I feel like you know uh, with the competition level higher, I, I definitely feel like you know I got better. You know and. Uh, I just feel like, me as a player, I get better as the season goes on. So right now, I feel pretty confident. I feel good. What do you chalk that up to to getting better as the year goes on? Uh, just staying, you know, consistent on, you know, just getting extra work in, like catching just now, um, you know, making sure my feet work good and just uh, staying in the playbook and just, uh, you know, just having fun also. You know, if you're having fun out there, your confidence through the roof, you, you can go out there and be anybody. Okay, uh, Juice Wells, big part of the Gamecock offense. Um, what a terrific year uh, he's had for South Carolina, uh, transferring in from James Madison with a you know, nice reputation, and he's really picked things up here in, um, 
in recent games and been a big playmaker. He and Rattler have really uh, connected well. Uh, Smitty, you get any kind of feel? He said, you know, it was interesting. You know, he, he said his decision hinges on his quarterback. Does that mean Rattler stays, he's coming back? Rattler leaves, he's leaving? Uh, what would you take from that? Yeah, that is what I took. Um, I mean, I think it's hard to read it any other way. But, look, these young men can change their minds, and circumstances change um, about what's going on with Juice Wells right now. But I think we all can agree on this. In this transfer portal era, an NIL era, um, with so much being dangled in front of these young players, it's just going to be a vastly different roster season to season. And now there may be some solutions on the way, but in the meantime, we're going to have to get used to it. And I think we're going to, uh, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And Juice Wells may be moving on next year. Yeah, we shall see. 63 catches, 898 yards, over 14 yards a catch. Don't need all of that. Against Notre Dame, we'll continue to talk about everything tomorrow night on Sports Talk. Got a big one lined up for you. See you then.